This is CME on ReachMD. This activity titled Atopic Dermatitis, the Clinical Art of Diagnosis and Attention to Comorbidities is brought to you by the France Foundation and supported by an educational grant from Sanofi Genzyme and Regeneron Pharmaceuticals. Before beginning this activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements as well as the learning objectives. Here's your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle. While the prevalence of atopic dermatitis is on the rise, the diagnosis of this chronic skin condition continues to be challenging for clinicians because there isn't an objective diagnostic test and because presentation can vary widely from one patient to the next. However, an accurate diagnosis is the critical first step in effectively managing this disease, its symptoms, and its associated comorbidities. So how can we get better at differentiating atopic dermatitis from other conditions? Coming to you from the ReachMD studios in Fort Washington, Pennsylvania, this is CME on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Caudill, and joining me today are allergists, Dr. Anna Fishbein and dermatologist, Dr. Lindsay Stroud. So, Drs. Fishbein and Stroud, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. So, really excited to talk about this topic and really lots to jump into. So, um, why don't we actually start with a case, um, really to set things up and have a discussion. Uh, so, we'll start with John. John is a 47-year-old man, and he has a pruritic erythematous rash located primarily on his arms, his hands, his neck, his legs, and his back as well. Uh, he says that the itching is constant, and he says it wakes him up almost every single night. He also reports having similar symptoms periodically throughout his life, even starting in childhood, but he thinks his symptoms have gotten worse in recent months. And finally, his father and his sister both have asthma, but there is no other known relevant family history. Well, I'd like to start with you, Dr. Stroud, and, and, and just get your take on this. You know, what aspects of this case would lead you to suspect atopic dermatitis? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think, first and foremost, the fact that it sounds like this has been a waxing and waning type disease process that really started in childhood. So when we think of atopic dermatitis, for most of our patients, they're going to begin to have disease manifestations early in their life, and it tends to have this kind of roller coaster type course to it throughout adolescence and into adulthood. Um, certainly factors like the fact that the, the rash is very itchy, the distribution of it being on the hands and the arms, we see a lot in our adult patients. And then also his family history is important here. So the fact that he has family members with asthma, that certainly can be seen in patients and in families that have kind of this atopic diathesis. Excellent. And Dr. Fishbein, anything to add to that? Yeah, I completely agree with Dr. Stroud. And I'd like to add, too, that towards adolescence and adulthood, we tend to see eczema more on the hands. And also, there tends to be more chronicity in these thick lichenified plaques. So, Dr. Fishbein, we're going to start back with you for this for the next part of the question. Can you tell us how the presentation of atopic dermatitis is different in children? So, eczema in children tends to be more on the back of the ears, on the face. Classically, we talk about the extensor surfaces, so on the arms, the trunk, the neck. And as children get older, even even after six months to a year of life, it tends to be on the classic creases. So, in the antecubital fossa and the popliteal fossa, generally in the creases. 
Okay, so Dr. Shroud, let's move on and, and let's talk about diagnosis and diagnostic tools. So what diagnostic tools do you use and what are the merits and limitations of, of each of those? The atopic dermatitis is a little bit challenging because there's not a clear laboratory test that you can use to make the diagnosis. Um, even skin biopsy is oftentimes pretty low yield and, and doesn't help us in the diagnosis. So it's really more of a clinical diagnosis. And, and therefore, we have some clinically based diagnostic criteria that we can use. There's a couple different ones that are out there if you go looking on the internet. Um, our National Academy, the American Academy of Dermatology, has published some guidelines that are a little bit more concise than some of the prior guidelines that were more used in like clinical studies gotcha. and, and in that sort of environment. So we do have some guidelines that have major and minor criteria, and they're really focused on the hallmarks of atopic dermatitis being the kind of classic clinical appearance that we've seen in some of our clinical images so far, um, the presence of itch, and the presence of other atopic diseases, like we mentioned, asthma and allergic rhinitis. And there's some minor diagnostic criteria as well, but those are some of the hallmarks for making the diagnosis. So now I'd like to ask each of you um, about how you would rule out other conditions that cause symptoms that resemble atopic dermatitis. Very important in the clinical setting for us to do. So what are the key differential diagnoses to exclude, particularly among infants and young children? So we'll start with you, Dr. Fishbein. Yes. Um, so some common conditions we see to consider are tinea corporis, which is ringworm or tinea capitis on the head, can look like eczema, can be very itchy. It can particularly look like discoid eczema, which has that similar ring-like appearance. And then also cradle cap is another condition that we see. It um, can also be seen as a comorbidity in eczema, but it's not eczema itself and is treated differently. Scabies is another condition that we see that can resemble eczema. Tends to be itchier and more painful, and the timing is a little bit different than the eczema, which is more chronic. And then there's the must-not-miss conditions that I always like people to think about. So histiocytosis is one of those, micro and macronutrient deficiencies, and then immune deficiencies. So primary immune deficiencies tend to present with other conditions. So you want to ask about diarrhea, failure to thrive. Sometimes it'll be more erythrodermic in the early ages. And it tends to be rashes that start right at birth, whereas eczema presents about a month, at least a month after birth. So I always tell clinicians, if it doesn't look like the regular eczema you see, that's when you should refer and maybe ask a little bit more on history. Dr. Stroud, let's talk a little bit about adults. You know, what are some of the important conditions to rule out in adults? I think while some of those conditions can overlap, such as scabies, certainly we can see that also in our adult population. There are some other things that we consider in adults coming in that we're, we're thinking about atopic dermatitis. Um, one of the main ones is contact dermatitis. So I think it's very helpful to take a pretty thorough contact exposure history of all patients, especially adults that are presenting with a new onset of suspected atopic dermatitis. Psoriasis oftentimes looks different than atopic dermatitis, but sometimes they, they can look very similar. So that's another kind of common inflammatory skin disease we should keep in mind. And I think one of the do not miss ones for adult populations is cutaneous T-cell lymphoma or mycosis fungoides. Mm -hmm. That one oftentimes is, is initially mistaken, sometimes for years, for atopic dermatitis. So another one to keep in mind. So I think going back to our case with John that you presented at the beginning of the talk, it certainly sounds like atopic dermatitis. If he were to present to my office, I would want to take a pretty thorough history to rule out contact dermatitis and may even recommend that he do patch testing to make sure that he, he doesn't have maybe concomitant 
atopic dermatitis and a contact dermatitis component as well. Excellent. That makes a lot of sense. So, you know, as we're moving through um, looking at our patient with our case and kind of coming up with differential diagnoses. So, Dr. Fishbein, beyond the cutaneous manifestations of atopic dermatitis, how does it otherwise affect children's lives? It's a great question. So I often want to counsel parents. It doesn't mean that they're going to have it the rest of their life. It doesn't mean it's going to be very severe. It's also important to understand what this might lead to. So we talk, we'll talk a little bit more about other allergic diseases that are common in kids with eczema. And I like parents to have a little bit of a heads up that that might be something they should expect. So it can have a deep impact on their life. So psychologic functioning, depression is common in kids with atopic dermatitis. And in fact, there's some studies suggesting suicide is more common in kids with eczema. Additionally, sleep, which is the focus of my research, is a huge problem. Sleep is completely disturbed. You can imagine being that itchy, you'd be up all night moving. Many kids also sleep with their parents, which can disrupt their parents' sleep. And unfortunately, there's not great treatments for, for that. So it's an ongoing area that needs to be addressed and also something that clinicians should address. So thank you so much for sharing that. Very helpful for the younger population. And so Dr. Stroud, are, are similar comorbidities seen in adults? Oftentimes, yes. So things like asthma and allergic rhinitis, we can certainly see in our adult population as well. Um, outside of conditions that we classically associate with atopic dermatitis, it's worthwhile to have a discussion with our patients about how this disease can impact their life. So it oftentimes impacts quality of life for patients, and we can see conditions like mental health issues, depression, anxiety, problems with social relationships, um, problems with missing work. It can touch a lot of parts of somebody's life outside of the disease process itself. And I think that's true probably for our pediatric patients in addition to our adult patients. Excellent. And I think it's really important that we, as clinicians, we pay attention to you know, mind, body, spirit, that we're looking at the whole person, not just yes. uh, their skin manifestations or otherwise. So those are really excellent points. You know, before we close, I'd, I'd like to learn a little bit more about other allergic conditions that may develop in patients with atopic dermatitis. So Dr. Fishbein, you alluded to those a moment ago. Can you tell us a little bit more? Absolutely. So in addition to the chronicity of eczema, there's other chronic conditions that people are at risk for. So it usually starts first with the eczema, and then in early childhood, food allergy tends to be the next allergic comorbidity that we see. A good at least 30% of eczema, even mild eczema, develops the food allergies. Um, and even more than that are actually have positive testing. But beyond that, patients then generally develop asthma and allergic rhinitis as the next things, and that can happen several years later. And Dr. Shroud, do all patients with atopic dermatitis develop these other conditions? Not all of them. So I would say, I would think probably the majority of patients have at least one of those other atopic conditions, um, especially if they have a family history, going back to our case mm -hmm. with John that we had talked about. I find in my adult patient population, many times if they maintain their atopic dermatitis into adulthood, they oftentimes lose some of the asthma, but they tend to retain some of the allergic rhinitis. So definitely seasonal allergies become uh, kind of a persist. chronic issue for those adult patients. Mm -hmm. oh, makes a lot of sense. You know, just a quick follow-up to all of that. You know, do we know if preventing or treating atopic dermatitis can prevent or limit the onset of the other conditions? What do we know about that? Dr. Fishbein, right? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. So sadly, um, in trials where they've actually been able to prevent eczema using moisturizers, they have not been able to prevent the development of allergic rhinitis or food allergy. That being said, there's a growing belief in our field that if you do aggressively treat eczema, that you might indeed prevent food allergy or some of these other comorbidities um, because we know you become food allergic through your skin. And so the disrupted skin barrier is really a setup for that.
So I tell my patients is like the one-liner to convince them or convince their parents to use their treatments is that this could prevent food allergy. Interesting. That's, that's really compelling. You know, it absolutely. is, yes. And Dr. Schraub, what, what do you say about adults? I agree with everything that Dr. Fishbein said. I think, you know, it really goes back to treatment. And I think if you can minimize that kind of chronic inflammation that is going on in patients with atopic dermatitis, it's only going to help some of their other inflammatory conditions. It just makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. almost looking at the whole picture and not just yes. the one condition. And it seems like that's probably helpful for our patients too to think of it that way as well. Absolutely. I mean, viral illnesses can flare eczema as much as they can flare asthma, and parents mm -hmm. will often tell you that, I'm sure, adults yeah. too. Yeah. So it's important to treat the whole body. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been a great discussion. I really look forward to learning more in the future. And But I'd really like to thank you, Dr. Fishbein and Dr. Stroud, for joining me to discuss the diagnosis and treatment of atopic dermatitis. It was really great having you both on the program. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. The preceding activity was sponsored by the France Foundation and funded by an educational grant from Sanofi Genzyme and Regeneron Pharmaceuticals. To receive your free CME credit, be sure to complete the post-test and evaluation by visiting reachmd.com CME. This is CME on ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.